Warning, this podcast contains adult language and is not suited for children. Dynamite was Wednesday. I'm starting the clock. We have a year. I said I'm giving them a year. Keith Lee has arrived. One year till Keith Lee is world champion. Or at least in the title picture. I'll give him in the title picture. He needs to have those championship matches. So I'm excited this week. This was a damn good week for especially AEW in the wrestling world. It's me, Joe. We're back here at the Squared Circle Sit Down, joined by Drake at the Lion Knight 42 over on Twitter. Thank you again for joining us on your podcast platform of choice. That's Stitcher, Anchor, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Also over on YouTube at Squared Circle Sit Down. Please give us a like, share, comment, subscribe. We appreciate your feedback. And uh, how are you feeling about this week, Drake? Boy, what a week. So, yeah. Uh, so we've got a year. I don't think it'll take that long. I hope it won't take that long. I have thoughts on where Keith Lee is going to be positioned immediately and moving forward from there. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, Keith Lee, though, I will say, we talked a lot about him last week and we were really excited about him potentially being here. And I'm still really excited for him and I'm very hyped. Not the person I was most excited to see on Dynamite. Which is insane. Because I'm a fucking Mark. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we we knew going into it that we were getting not one, but two announcements. Mm-hmm. And it's, man, it blows my mind that it's two people of the caliber of, of a Keith Lee who I can gush about all night long. Like, I have, I, I didn't understand the man crush I have on Keith Lee. Like, I, uh, I'll talk about it a little more in a few minutes, but then you also have Jay White? What? Well, maybe one of the best in-ring storytellers and definitely one of the best promos in the business right now. Yeah, I messaged you after the show saying, it's. I don't believe that you can say this, of, wow, they brought in one of the best current professional wrestlers in the world today. And they also brought in Keith Lee. And, and that is not a derogatory statement for Keith Lee at all. This, this, Keith Lee is amazing. I, if you, I, of course, I am gushing about Keith Lee more than Jay White. I'm excited for Jay White. I'm excited for Jay White more here than I think I've ever been for him in New Japan. Um, just because of like positioning on the card and stuff. I never feel like he got that like crowning achievement moment there that I think he deserved. Which is absolutely but, insane when you consider that he is a triple crown champion. Yeah, but it's it's that weird like triple crown champion where he got it on all the shows where people weren't watching as much. Sure. Uh, he still got there. He's still definitely got there. And maybe he'll get there again. I don't know what this deal is with AEW. I, I don't know how long he's going to be there. It, he could be there for one year. He could be there for the rest of his career. I don't know. I mean, he could. He. I, I think that if I had to speculate, right? I think it's very much going to be relying on what happens in Japan. I know we've still got some crazy COVID numbers, and I know they're still being really selective with people coming over. And Jay White, being from New Zealand, doesn't necessarily have a very easy time getting over there, coming back. Uh, so for the time being, I mean, this is the place, right? He's over on Impact doing his thing on Impact with with like God, who I'm really hoping we get to see at some point in AEW. Because, Ooh, man. Oh man, there's there's so much money to be made there. But Jay White, even just by himself, is going to thrive here. And while I'm not going to sit here and, like, fantasy book and mark out and be like, man, 
it would be great if the end of his next New Japan contract, he's like, well, maybe this is the place for me. But like, man, I, w- I would love to see that. That would be horrible for New Japan. And like the relationship between AEW and New Japan would suffer for it greatly after they effectively kidnap another one of the like top gaijin. But he he's going to do so well here because he gets the opportunity to be the like US style wrestler where he can like make his character about what he says on the microphone as well as what he does in the ring. Whereas with new Japan, you really have to follow the backstage stuff a lot more to get like the entirety of his persona. Um, not to say he doesn't express it really well in the ring because he does, but at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, just the way that new Japan uh, presents their stuff. We spent a whole series talking about that and the differences I think he's really gonna gonna benefit from the way AEW presents their show, and he gets to sell lots of cool T-shirts. He's got yes. an awesome logo. Yes, he's got he one does. of the coolest named finishers in the business today. Fucking Blade Runner, come on, it's awesome. But yeah, he's one of two guys in a single show in less than I think twenty minutes apart. Something like that. maybe right back to back. Even I don't know. I think the inner circle segment was between them. But besides that, you you get in one hour of a show, two of the biggest hottest debuts for a promotion. Wow, I I will talk at length about how I think AEW is running the risk of having a bloated roster and. You're going to have to let some of these people go eventually when these contracts expire and hopefully everybody finds a landing spot and all that stuff. But, and of course I I hope there's no hard feelings with that stuff either, but man, Keith Lee and Jay White, it's, it's crazy. It's a damn good week. Damn good week. Damn good show. Like I've talked again uh, last couple of weeks about how I thought I wasn't really into AEW and what they were presenting. Not, not because I thought it was bad, just because it's a, it's a phase that they needed to work through where I see where they're going and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be more interested when you get there. So let's get there. And, but you give me this on the way. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the rebuilding phase, right? It's, we finished it. Like we've talked about a number of times we finished act one. Now we're in act two and we have to do a bunch more setup, which is fine. This whole week. And we haven't even like talked about the main event, right? But no, no, it's on the list. Absolutely. Cause it was stellar, but there is, just so much happened this week, and all of it, almost all of it, was really, really good. Yeah, I think I'm gonna we're gonna bounce around this week a bit. So I'm gonna briefly mention just Friday's rampage. I don't usually watch live, but it, you know, a couple of them have been skippable shows. They they haven't exactly all been the best that AW has to offer. But every time I know Hook has a match, I'm gonna watch Rampage because I want to see that match. It's two minutes long but i want to see it they've got somebody on that show that i absolutely want to see and now you're gonna give me keith lee every week come on i'm gonna watch dynamite i have to keith lee's on it that's what nxt was for me a couple of years ago when i fell off a little bit with wwe and what they were presenting nxt went through a bit of a transition phase kind of like what aw was doing coming out of act one to act two and then keith lee comes in and having watched a couple of Keith Lee matches that I just heard were so damn good on the indie scene. And I'm like, come on, give me more of this person. And I fell in love with Keith Lee. You know, give me that. Give me, he is so unique 
in what he can do. There are, I think there's three or four guys that I'd put in the category all in this current crop, like him and, and Walter, like Gunther now. Um, and uh, it, in WWE, I, I think he's like a T-bar now, but uh, Dijak. Hell, come on. Those guys are, are just unique individuals. They have that look. They have that size. And they can do so goddamn much in the ring. Just run them out there and let them have these amazing matches and showcase what they can do. WWE wasn't doing it. And now you have Keith Lee over in AEW. By the way, while we're on the topic, just real quick, because I'm going to do this every fucking week, hashtag Free Ali. Yes, please. Definitely. I'm sticking with it. Like, Super Junior is in New Japan or put him in Impact. Let's go. Let him go anywhere. Just just get him the Free. fuck out of there. Yep. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. But... Oh, no, that's, that was literally all I wanted <laughs> well, to interject to say. You can keep going about Keith Lee, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Keith Lee. So he comes out. Massive response to him because the the fans got Jay White first, so I think he, everybody kind of looks at that and it's like, okay, Jay White is awesome, but maybe that's what we're getting. Maybe this is the announce. Jay White's the announcement of this is the hype, right? Like we're bringing world class talent in Jay White, and maybe the second name is going to be somebody who you can get excited about, but isn't going to set the world on fire. I know it, we knew it wasn't going to be Jeff Hardy, but could have been a John Morrison, Johnny Dynamite situation of, yay, okay, John Morrison's here, that's cool, but, you know, all right, I don't think the crowd is going to pop massive for Johnny Dynamite to go win the world title or something. Could have been uh, Killer Cross. Crowd yep. wouldn't have been super hyped about that. The, the next best pop, Honestly, probably just as big would probably have been Gargano, right? Yeah, Gargano is yeah. the ne- the other one who, like, had it been Gargano, they would have lost their fucking mind. Yes, I think Gargano gets that response, especially considering what the match was for. And and we can get into that, too. Of it's versus Isaiah Cassidy, who we know Isaiah Cassidy can have good matches. And it's for a spot in the face of the revolution ladder match, right? I have that right. Yeah, you cool. have that right. Uh, winner gets a shot at the TNT title, not the world title, the TNT title. So that really feels like that could have been a Johnny Gargano spot mm-hmm. of, you know, give us Gargano versus Andrade, Gargano versus uh, Darby, you know, Darby, Sammy, anybody in that category. Like he put on world class matches with all those. I mean, he put on world class matches with anybody in AW. Yeah, well, we'll get to Ethan Page, too, mm-hmm. and Scorpio Sky, and so many others where Gargano isn't necessarily going to be world champion in whatever company he goes to, but give him a mid-card title and let him go out there for 20 minutes at a time with somebody, and you're going to get five-star matches, yeah, and that's I've, what he does. I've, been a, I've always been a firm believer, and I think I've mentioned this once when we were talking about Bray Wyatt, but this has always been kind of my philosophy, is not everyone needs to be a world champion, and not everyone who deserves to be a world champion needs to be a world champion right and to me and i understand there will be some backlash for this johnny gargano is one of those guys he never needs to be world champion is it a feel-good moment 100 percent. is it the right decision sometimes hell yeah but there will never come a time where it's like the only way johnny gargano will feel like he is a guy is by having the world championship he just doesn't need it Okay, I can agree with that. I think one of the reasons why I say things like that 
is not to say, oh, he needs it or he's not going to be respected at that level, but more like he won't necessarily work with all the talent who are at that level. So you won't be getting uh, a plethora of Johnny Gargano versus Hangman Adam Page matches because Hangman's going to be your world champion or fighting for your world championship while Johnny is not at that level in the company to have those matches or won't have them highlighted on a pay-per-view. So therefore you're not going to have that interaction. Um, I, I agree with you like completely about that point of there are so many wrestlers over decades that have never touched the world title. They don't get world title matches besides big multi-man matches. Hell look at Kofi Kingston for such a long time. Kofi yeah. Kingston, world-class talent almost never touched the world title and that was a big part of when he actually got to touch the world title of hey look i never even had a shot at this before yep but the uh, one time i did was because i was in a big multi-man match so uh, yeah uh, yeah you've got uh, uh roddy piper who's another really good example of a guy who yep. never needed to be a world champion it would have been really cool it would have been great but it was never necessary for him to be who he was um bray wyatt is another guy who i feel like could have gone his entire career never winning the world title and barring being treated the way he was treated for years because there was a time where they they forced him to have to have that title and then didn't give it to him. But we've talked about that before. We can do a whole episode about Bray Wyatt at some point if we want to. But Bray Wyatt inherently could have been a character that never had to go anywhere near the world championship except to antagonize the world champion, and that was it. And could have gone his whole career without one. Yes, but for Keith Lee... Keith Lee is a guy who he needs the world championship. He needs to feud for the world championship. I think he needs to win the world championship. And that has nothing to do with saying, oh, it, this will prove that Keith Lee is at that level. No, we all know Keith Lee is at that level. We all know that. It does a disservice to your company and the booking of your company and even to your world title to keep somebody that talented away from it. And that's why I said the, the clock is ticking. Like, I'll, hell, we've got Revolution coming up in less than a month, I think. I don't have a date in front of me. It doesn't really matter, but it's close. It's like early March, I think. Yeah. Revolution next year would be my, my box to tick of if Keith Lee is not involved in something major in this company. Like, and I mean, main eventing shows major by that point. You fucked up. Something has gone wrong. Yep. Something has gone wrong because he's back. I, I don't know if he's a hundred percent, you know, it's been a while. I know he really was not put on TV much in the last year for WWE, even before he was out the door. So I, I he struggled through COVID and COVID related sickness and, you know, here's hoping he's the best he can be and he'll get the time. He'll get to work with the people. He'll get his reps in again. He'll get, to be exactly how healthy he can be, hopefully a hundred percent. And man, just let him go. Yeah, Come on, he, let him go. He looked good. He looked good. Yep. Um, the match, the match was a good match. Him throwing Isaiah Cassidy from one corner of the ring Woo! to the other. What a fantastic visual that was. Oh yep. man, no, it's amazing. No Big Bang attack though. No, uh, that was the, I, I forget what the, the name he has for the other. The like, Widowmaker tour of the islands thing that he does. Yeah, it's got another 
super nerdy it's name. A, it's, a, it's another DBZ name, right? I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure. Because I'm used to the, the Big Bang. Yeah, same. Give me a second, I'll look it up. Cool. I But then catching them both as they dive over the top on the outside. Oh, that was great. Is awesome. I I feel like he the only area where you know if I'm an Olympic judge right now, and I'm critiquing like if I'm docking points, I feel like his speed is not fully there yet. Yeah, which it'll come in time. It's cool. I think you know there's no way that you could have significant time off and just be a hundred percent and be able to go and not get blown up. And there are so few people that you could talk. To say that about and Keith Lee say what you will about what he is able to do for a man of his size he still has to carry a significant amount of weight around he what he clocked in at what 380 something like that coming it was, out it was something like that yeah yeah so so he's over 350 and that, that is a lot of weight to carry around and he's got the strength he's got a lot of muscle awesome but he's got to get there yeah okay so we had it backwards so the the sit up power bomb is the spirit bomb. Ah, yeah. The fireman's carry power slam is the big bang catastrophe. So he hit the big bang. He did hit the big bang. He didn't. He did hit not the spirit, bomb. spirit bomb. Yeah, which is what I was okay. expecting. Yeah. Okay. Well, especially yeah, especially with a guy like Cassidy, where it feels like it would have looked really good because he knows how to ragdoll so well. Yeah. He'd like hit the mountain bounce. Well, he kind of hit it on the outside then. Oh, he, he that's the, true. He did powerbomb one on top of the other, but it wasn't the it, full. It wasn't the full, and it didn't. It didn't look great. No, no. It. I well, think by that time, as to my point, I think he was getting gassed. Yeah. I think this was a okay. All right, I made it. I made it, guys. I can still go. Now let me go sit down and grab a Gatorade. Yeah, and then we're gonna go hit that cardio. Let's let's get it. Yeah, exactly. But put him in matches like this. Give him another couple before Revolution. He's going to be in a ladder match where he can hit his spots. He can come out late. He can hit his spots. He, I, we could talk about this. I don't think he's the guy that's winning this match. Neither am I. Neither unless am I. you're just saying, okay, cool. He's just going to go beat somebody and win that championship immediately. But I don't think that's what's happening here. Yeah. I don't think they put um, the title back on Sammy just to put it on Keith. Yeah. So you're going to, he doesn't have to climb ladders. He doesn't have to take ridiculous bumps he can take like a couple of spots on the outside getting hit by a ladder or something and be down for a few minutes and recover uh i think you have so many talented people who know how to protect other people in aw that they'll work this match great and he'll be fine who do we have con- confirmed and or like assumed confirmed for the match i know we've got andrade uh darby is keithley the only like official entrant right now I think so. I would expect Andrade and Darby. Right. Darby, if you don't put Darby Allen in a match like this, you're crazy. Yeah, it's a waste. Yeah, I think Andrade's in the match as the eventual winner of the match, unless they book him versus Sammy anyway, because they have so many open challenges for this damn title that why do you need a ladder match like this? See, I was I was gonna wait until we were absolutely done talking about the rest of the people to get into this, but yeah. The thing that really bothers me, and we talked about this last week, where it was like, not sure what this match is for, right? I'm pretty sure we went into that a bit. So, holy moly, to be like, well, anyone can pretty much challenge for this title at any time, and any champion, especially Sammy being Sammy, 
has shown us that they will be down to fight pretty much whoever. Now, instead, I'm going to have this match that is, uh, at least in kayfabe, a very dangerous match, very strenuous, very difficult to win. Why would I, at any point, just not just be like, I'm not going to enter this. I'm going to let these guys fight it out. I'll let them have their title match. And then whoever wins, fuck it. Next week, I'm going to come out and challenge for this title. Yep. Like, what? what is my my reason to want to be in this match? I don't get it. And we could talk about something. I, I mean, we don't have to talk about that much. It's, it's a really easy concept. I think a lot of people were a fan of this concept of when John Cena several years ago was the United States champion and he did the United States Open Challenge. So every week it gave you you don't know you're getting John Cena versus someone yeah. for the U S championship. And there were a lot of good matches that came out of that. Oh yeah. I loved it. And yeah. And you even got the, the main roster debut of Kevin Owens out of it. Uh, Sammy Zayn. Uh, these were great moments. So you, yeah, I know what you're thinking about. I know what you're thinking about. Sammy Zayn who hurts himself. Oh <laughs> yeah. my goodness. Makes his debut gets injured before the bell rings. Sammy, yep. Sammy still Sammy. has still has arguably the best match with Cena in that entire series. Oh yeah, but goddamn good. Yeah, but I don't understand with um with how good you are at booking most of the time that you wouldn't just go for booking consistency. And I talked about Hook, right? Like like Hook is a guy that pops up on Rampage and gives me a reason to watch Rampage. So every time I know there's a hook match, I tune in. And you you don't want to wear it out. You don't want to have him have a match every single week because eventually he'll just run through the whole roster and you'll have a, a 52-0 and hook at the end of the year not ranked even in the top five. And you'll be like, well, what the hell is the point of this? But if you did, say, a week where Hook has a match and then the next week on Rampage, open challenge for the TNT title. And then the week after is hook again. Then the week after is another open challenge. You go every other week. People get time off. It's for somebody like me, it's a reason to watch every Friday. You know what's coming. You know the consistency. They're they're good enough as is telling you matches in advance, but there are some rampages where there's nothing really attracting me to watch them. That's fine. It's gonna happen. But if you yeah. did something like this, you get new, interesting, unique matchups every so often and Eventually, hell, you could have Sammy versus Hook if you keep going with it at that rate. Have, like, the Rampage match. So here's my here's my take on that is I think that this is the place where Tony has his biggest flaw, and I think we've seen it before, too. It's the downside of the fan booking wrestling as opposed to the businessman booking wrestling, right? You get a lot of really cool matches. You get a lot of really cool concepts. You get storylines you wouldn't see otherwise because you invest in guys without the like promise of a of a lifetime contract or without the the promise of like nothing will ever go wrong or whatever but you go all in on these guys because you care about them and you want them to be the the guys you fantasize about them being unfortunately sometimes you also get these moments where as a fan trying to book wrestling you're like oh man this would be so cool where do i fit it well if i've already written the next year and a half of the world title picture it doesn't fit there uh, shit, but we can't just have this for no reason, so it has to have a purpose. Well, we have another title. We treat that title like it's a major title. The TNT title is not a secondary title. They've said it like a thousand times. That's 
that's the goal. We can talk about that till the cows come home. I respect this, the, what they're trying to do with it. I think they heard it a bit with Cody, Sammy, but whatever. Um, but they're trying to make that a reality. And so what do you do? You take the really cool fucking ladder match and you go, great. These guys are willing to risk their well-being for a shot at this belt because it matters. And that's perfectly understandable. But the flaw is when you're also using it as your open challenge belt, this is what it becomes where you lose the consistency. Um, with Hook, I like the frequency they book him at. I understand and agree with you that, like, maybe you could do every other week. And they, they do sometimes, but not always. Uh, but I really am a big fan of Hook as a special attraction for now. Because, like you said, this will wear out its welcome eventually. He has to be able to have bigger, longer matches as time goes on. And we don't really know if he can yet. That's not something we're privy to, and that's fine. The things he does, he does very well. And as he goes on, we have no idea what his ceiling looks like, really. Because we've never seen a Hook match. We've seen Hook do his exhibitions. That's really what we've seen. We've seen Hook exhibitions. But we have not seen a Hook match yet. And it's going to be really telling when he finally has that. But it's really important also that you don't wear this out before he's ready for that. His first match has to have this momentum behind him. And it's so cool to see how they've like managed to ride this really well. Uh, and I'm just I'm just very hopeful that it will come to fruition in the way that we'd like it to. They're booking him like Andre the Giant. And it's something that I think more people should do more often in different companies because it, it works. And I, I don't mean all the time, just, uh, you know, I, I advocated for you should have when they when they called him up to the main roster, the WWE should have booked Shinsuke Nakamura like that of here's a guy that doesn't necessarily care about being world champion right now. He doesn't, he's not chasing title matches. He comes out once a week or once a month or however, however often he comes out, steamrolls somebody because that's what he does. He beats the crap out of them, eventually engages in a feud where they build to a pay-per-view match where that's the match that he has, beats the crap out of the guy, move on to the next thing. And eventually you get to the point where, oh, okay, what happens if he fights for the championship? He'll just steamroll the champion and win, won't he? And you get the fan intrigued by doing that. You're eventually going to get that with Hook. When he starts having actual, you know, competitive matches and, you know, where he goes bell to bell, but he's still beating people, it's going to turn into why isn't Hook challenging for, you know, the TNT title? I think the world title is too far, too fast, too far, you know, but like uh, TNT title, I, I don't think that would be a stretch. Yeah, the TNT title is a really valuable asset. So I go back and forth a lot on my idea of like, okay, so he challenges for it. Does he win? Is that his first loss? If it's his first loss, I'll be that guy. If it's his first loss, I don't want it to be to Sammy. I don't, I have nothing against Sammy. Sammy's a very talented guy and he's he's going to be a big player in this company and he's proven to be up until now and he will continue to be. At the same time, I don't want Sammy going over Hook in the near future. I don't want that. I'll give you my fantasy booking of the week. I It, it can go one of two ways for me. Um, they have another title that he could challenge for, not right now, but in the future. If somebody were to beat Ricky Starks, and win the FTW title. Hook would be the guy that has six hook on him to get it back. Yeah, that's inevitable. I don't think there's any yeah. universe where that's not the outcome for that belt. 
and then he just holds it forever. I I could see see that could be a, an alternative uh, an alternate way to go. Actually, that's a really good point. Where like he could even just start hosting his own open challenges with it, right? And then you have him parallel to the the um, TNT champion, which uh, at that point it could be Sammy. Where it's like, okay, well, sure, you're this company's champion, but I'm this champion, and there's no reason this isn't as valuable as that. Fuck, this is more valuable. Look at its history. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can run that. I, I just think that's a, a thing that they should explore eventually. Mm, the idea of Taz's son not having Taz's title at some point in time is crazy. You, you gotta do that. That it, it writes itself. Where you run its course with it, I don't know. That figure it out when you get there. I think we're pretty far removed from that. But the the other person to talk about this week, right, is Jay White, and that's I know that's like not a direct segue, but it is the third piece of like my excitement for the week. Of you know, we talked about Keith Lee, like Keith Lee's ceiling, I think is world champion. Uh, Hook, too soon to tell. Who knows how far he can go? We'll see. Jay White, you want to talk? This about is gonna be. This is gonna be, but he's instantly involved in a group in a story. Is he the guy? Like we know now, Adam Cole, where he's going next. Is Jay White next? That's tough. I mean, there's a lot of built-in story with White and uh, Page. There's a lot there. Uh, it's hard to know if okay, so. Approaching this becomes interesting because there's two ways to look at it, right? There's, we can look at what we know and talk about it as two people trying to be intelligent about the business as best we can, or we can talk about it as two fans talking about wrestling, right? So, like, there's very little information that we have on what the the deal that's been worked out with White and Tony is, and we don't know how long he's around for, we don't know how often he's going to be here, and we don't know if he's going to be here full-time, We don't know when or if he has plans to go back to Japan for any period of time, which would stunt his ability to be in in, like extended storylines. But. Oh, man, it would be if we assume that MJF Adam Page is going to happen a double or nothing, right? It would be an absolute travesty to not do Jay White versus Adam Page Holy shit, what a waste that would be. Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, yeah, that sounds Something about right. Like that. Yeah. The the thing is, it also depends on how deeply embroiled he's gonna be in this this like elite this slow burn elite implosion thing. And maybe when Kenny comes back. Cause he also here's an interesting statistic. You're the statistics guy. Jay White holds a win over every AEW world champion except for Chris Jericho. Wow. Has yeah. he ever had a match with Chris Jericho? I don't believe so. No. He's the only that one he hasn't sense. faced and he's the only one he hasn't beaten. They were both heel heels, yeah. At the same time in the same place. So mm-hmm. but he's beaten Moxley, he's beaten Paige, and he's beaten uh Kenny Omega. Fair, fair. And of course, you know, Paige, that was a a long time ago. Oh yeah, who who Adam Page is now is a completely different human being from who yeah. he was back then. It's that's a, like it's a saying, lifetime ago. That's like saying for somebody that was about to face Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's like, well, I beat the Ringmaster. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, sure absolutely. you did. But 
but stats matter in AEW, and Very he has so. a win. He at the end of the day, if you look in history, he has a win over Adam Page. Yeah, hold that thought because I, I want to get back, come back to the stats matter in AEW thing with like the history of groups and teams facing each other. Sure, uh, but I just want to you know talk about the Jay White stuff a little bit more first. I want to go off on that because I have thoughts and feelings. Ooh, but let's hear him. I, no, for Jay White, uh, I have thoughts and feelings about other things. But for Jay White, I, I said before, I think he's such a marketable guy. He's so, ugh, you know, he, he pops in the ring for two seconds on Rampage and people are cheering for him. Yep. So it's all you need from him. It's all you need from him. Just do that. Be involved. You're going to have these giant egos that are going to clash eventually with the elite. You're going to have... Cole with his fallback group and maybe as you've said before maybe we don't know when if and how you know uh, how rehabbed he's gonna be for Kenny Omega I'm speaking about this could be a ways off we don't know how bad a shape he was in and maybe the three-on-three isn't the Kenny in the box maybe it's Jay White in the box against the not undisputed era that could be interesting could happen yeah could that's fall definitely a way to go you know he's throwing up the two sweet so you know, bullet club is uh, more present than it's been in a while in aw so bullet club is fine <laughs> yeah no but, absolutely it's oh go ahead no, 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 no. I, I didn't want, I'm going to take us off to the next thing. When, but I know I gush about Keith Lee. I know you're a big fan of Jay White. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful about it. But, like, oh man, Jay White is so phenomenal. And yeah, I think he excelled really. If you go back and you look at his matches with uh, Tanahashi and the promos he cuts before and after those matches, specifically, are a really good example of like Jay White at his best. And that's why he's going to do so good here. Because he is so great at fulfilling a specific role and just excelling at being that guy. Uh, outside of the ring, the way he cuts his promos, he knows how to handle an audience. He knows how to feed them. He knows how to how to steer them where he wants them to be. He's never had a problem dealing with hostile audiences. He's never had a problem dealing with audiences that like him. He's, he's always in control of the audience, and it's fantastic. He always knows enough about his opponent to know how to present himself as their foil. So he's always going to be able to cut those promos against anyone he's facing. Um, I don't, I, I can't be, I can't say like out of kayfabe, he definitely does his research, but it does feel that way because his promos are very specific. Um, and it, it kind of mimics his in-ring style because he is, you know, I don't know if I'd say he's as much of a counter wrestler as some of the other guys we have in AEW, but he is. He looks for how do I respond to you instead of wrestling his own style? And that's how he beat guys like Tanahashi. That's how he beats guys like Okada is by looking at them and going, I know what you do and what you're going to try to do to me. So this is what I'm going to do. And then you think about the Blade Runner. This is, this is great. The Blade Runner is so good because it can come from pretty much anywhere. It's such a good move. It worked really well for Wyatt when Wyatt was using it. Um, much because of the same thing. It can be set up. It can be very flashy. It can be him just standing the half unconscious guy and like throwing the two sweet or throwing out the like blade thing and then hitting it. 
Or also, you could tie up with him, go into a headlock, go into an arm, uh, like the the arm wrench, do the the roll through, step over, uh, try and try and cut to the the cut back to the arm wrench, back into a headlock, and then you just turn and boom, you're in the Blade Runner and it's over, and it's great. It it, it can just happen, and it's so good. Oh, yeah. I not to go too far off, but he, you know, for for a guy like me who doesn't follow New Japan as much as somebody like you does he always reminded me a little bit of somebody like Randy Orton where, and I don't want mean to say like, Oh, they're the same or anything, but in the way that he carries himself, he comes out as he feels cool. He feels like, oh, all right, this guy is cool. He gets it. He's got style. He's got a look to him where I don't know what he's thinking, but he can just switch and be lethal and switchblade. But it's, he can just be that lethal that fast. And Randy Orton can do that too, where it's just, you know, again, the RKO is another move comes out of nowhere, counter, set it up, whatever the case may be very, very quickly, bam, you're done. And that's that thing of I'm cool. I can take this nice slow walk to the ring. I don't need to overexert myself. It's fine. I know why I'm here. Snap my fingers. Bam. You're dead. Got you. Yeah, he's really, really good at that. And and again, he's one of the best storytellers currently in the business when when you like step between the ropes, right? And that is such a huge part of why is because he can exude that sort of cool, confident, laid back uh, uh, charisma and then immediately just turn on like 100% go precision striking. And it's awesome. Uh, while we're on the topic of Randy Orton, I'm going to I'm going to just veer us away for one second i promise we'll come back randy orton i have to say over the last couple of years so many props to the guy he's come so far and like every time that he does an interview or like puts out any kind of media or anything it really looks like he's come a long way from like penis fingers and i'm 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 really glad to hear that like it's so rare you hear these stories in wrestling of guys going from like being total assholes to to you know recognizing their own flaws and adjusting themselves. And it really seems like he's done that. So like kudos to Randy Orton, lots of props for that. I just, I just wanted to take that opportunity. Well, he matured. It seems like he matured as a person as well as a wrestler. Yes. In a lot of ways. And it shows where, you know, you get certain guys as they got older, it was very much like, how do I politic to keep my spot in the business? And I don't care about anybody else, but myself and maybe my boy. Yeah. And (laughs) Unfortunately, that that was uh, very prevalent in the business and probably still is in certain circles, but it doesn't seem like Orton necessarily is that guy. You know, he has had it thrown out now by several other people of, okay, yeah, you know, maybe back in the day, Randy was kind of a dick, but actually when it came time for me to, you know, have my spot, Orton was a guy that pushed for it or he supported me in that or I could talk to him about it or something like that. You know, maybe not in like the number one guy to do that type of way, but he holds sway yeah. and it's good. It's good that you use it for good. Use your powers for good. Something great power, something great responsibility. I don't know. Something, something, something. Uh, yeah. Webs. Yeah. Um, Different podcast. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's really cool seeing that. And I, I, I don't think that, uh, I think it's definitely worth mentioning, you know, that he's, he's really made that growth in it. It's cool. And you do, like you said, see it in his, in like, in his, you do see it like in his wrestling and between his persona and the things he's like a part of now. And even just the way he wrestles where he, you can see him 
putting in a lot more effort when he cares to like get guys over, right? Because that's the other thing that's still very true about Randy Orton is when he cares, he's like all in on a guy. And when he doesn't care, you will know in the ring. You will never be confused about how he feels about the guy he's in the in the ring with. But for uh, that, I think you also see it less and less. Yes. That that second part. I think you see more and more where he's working with tag teams and mid-card guys, and he's like, Cool, you want to get some spots in? Let's go. Like, you know, he I he guarantee he had to okay that he was the guy who got pinned by Otis to drop the tag titles. Guarantee it. And I guarantee for that, he said, Yeah, cool, let's do it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not happening. <laughs> but to a prior point, because where we were with this is yeah, talking about back. How, yeah, history and stats and all that stuff and how it matters in AEW. So you have Rapungi Vice versus the Young Bucks, which is the latest in the elite versus the best friend slash chaos slash bullet club slash all of these teams slash factions slash history slash everything lots of slashes i'll throw it out there like i personally the tag team that i like the best is the best friends i like rapunky vice also rocky romero is cool works really well awesome dude but i also understand that he's not exactly gonna rack up a whole bunch of wins in aw it's not his role cool it's also the young bucks having a rare match on tv like that they're not just gonna lose unless it's setting up this big thing and jay white is just showing up so i don't think they're set to just drop a whole ton of matches plus can we finally end this damn feud please like these two groups have been feuding for what seems like a century and you have commentary throwing back to well yeah actually it's been like 10 years they have been (laughs) this is just the latest one Okay, fine. Joe, because the Chaos Bullet Club feud is eternal. It it is ever-present, and it is in every company, and you will never escape it. So what you're saying is it's limitless, and that's where Keith Lee is going. Keith Lee for Bullet Club? No, no. Keith Lee for Chaos, I think. Although, although, Keith Lee for Bullet Club would fulfill some weird, like, ancient weeb prophecy, though. The ancient art has foretold his arrival. It's very Japanese booking. I get with it. That's cool. But besides that, I'm so over this feud, even if the matches are great, which this match was great. It's a very Young Bucks match of we got to hit all of our spots and do all the dives and flips and stuff. But like, it was a good match for them. And the Bucks in limited doses for me works best where I'm not watching them every single week. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say is is the reason it works is because when was the last time they had a match on TV like that was about getting all their spots in and not more of just like a push the story forward match? Yeah, also a tag team match of just two on two instead of trios or, you know, one on one even. But okay, cool. I don't I don't get the best friends anymore, the, the, the group. I, I want to know where they're going. I want to know what's going on with them. Trent is back. I'm sorry. Trent is back. And that's cool. But you made a big deal about him coming back. And now it feels like he's just a guy again that doesn't win matches. He's, he's there. That's cool. I would like to see some direction for them because I genuinely like the people in that group. It, I know people are very high on Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, besides maybe Wheeler Yuta, who is gaining points for me with the matches he's having, 
might be the lowest that I care about in that group. Like I like Statlander. I like the best friends as a tag team. I like Rocky, Rocky Romero might be actually be the lowest in the group for me, but because of the investment. Sure, yeah, sure. He's the one I've seen the least. Well, well so with OC, is it, is it just because of the ceiling, right? Because like how high can that character like go? Like, is that why, or? I think so. I think it also might be a little bit of the overexposure now of much like the Bucks where it's, I don't want to see a young Bucks match every single week, even if they're very good. Um, I love the young Bucks matches where it's been built to, there's a story, they get there. It's not just them going through the motions. Uh, you know, hell, possibly my favorite tag team match of all time is the four members of the elite possibly it's it's easily up there it's one of my favorites I, i'm not bothering ranking them right now sure but on I, any given day if you were like pick one and you pick that one i'd be like hell yeah sure that let's watch it it's awesome and a good reason is because of the young bucks they're in it and they're that damn good but orange cassidy is somebody who's been having matches almost every week He's on TV all the time. He's had Rampage matches. He's had Dynamite matches. He's had pay-per-view matches. And a lot of them are starting to feel very samey to me, where it's Orange Cassidy. He does his Orange Cassidy spots. Okay, cool. I get it. Fine. And there's nothing wrong with having that role, and the fans clearly respond to it. That's awesome. But it feels like it's slipping back down into... You're the jester, you do your one thing that the fans pop for, you get it all out there, and then we wrap up and go home. Okay, cool. Like you've you've plateaued a bit. I would like to see something else. Maybe, maybe it is in a tag team, maybe it is in a singles feud, maybe it's something, but it feels like the people clearly ahead of Orange Cassidy are just clearly head and shoulders above Orange Cassidy. The people behind him are just gonna put in a good showing and then he does his orange cassidy spots and then they just lose to orange cassidy yeah so there's two things that i want to build off that the the first one is you're you're definitely not alone in that right orange cassidy is this kind of guy who you have to constantly be super high on for him to work otherwise exactly what you're saying is happening where you know over time it just becomes this thing where it's like well it's really samey and it's very one-dimensional and it's like, okay, he's going to try only works once or twice before it's like, well, well, he's proven he needs to try. Can we can we have some kind of growth in his character or something now? And, and you don't really get that. And he just beat Adam Cole. And sure, it doesn't count, right? Like the lights out thing, which is fine. I have no problem with that as a concept. The, the lights out, it doesn't count. He didn't really beat him. That's okay. Fine. But he did. He gave Adam Cole his first uh, unofficial loss in the company. And so now you kind of have to see more of him, right? Because he he hit a big a big like milestone. I think this is the glaring flaw with having a company based on factions but not having a trios title. Oh, this God, is yes. yeah, this is your biggest problem because think about how much less eye rolling the even even just this like thousand year rivalry would have been had there been the trios title involved had you been able to have other tag teams be involved in this story strictly by merit of one of you has the trios titles so obviously everyone wants it so now instead of doing some version of the young bucks versus the best friends every week you can do one of the best friends versus 
uh, Jurassic Express or one of the best friends versus uh, AHFO or one of the best friends versus any other like group out there and have the Young Bucks get involved or do it the other way and have like the the best friends get involved and like stop a beatdown or or whatever you do, you can now introduce a lot more life to it and have it be more than just, well, you know, they've been feuding since New Japan implemented a juniors division. So, uh, okay, but that doesn't really matter to me now in 2022. God, I'm old. But, like, you know what I mean? And and I think that's that's the biggest takeaway from this is they need a trios title. They can't keep working the way they're working without getting that belt. Agreed. And personally, I think I'm a fan of Orange Cassidy more when he reverts to not trying. I think that works better for me when he, because now it feels like he's trying every match. It feels like he hits the couple of like, uh, at the beginning, but then, or maybe even the middle sometimes, but he very quickly goes full, just he's another wrestler now. And that's something that doesn't work as well for me, where it'd be awesome if they had a trios title of, the hot tag isn't always to Orange Cassidy because they don't necessarily know if he's going to win the match for them. (laughs) And maybe he doesn't always win the match for them. That could be a story to tell. But then when he finally puts the effort in, it's like, you know, I'll go back to an anime thing. It's like Orange Cassidy goes Super Saiyan and like Orange Cassidy, you know, has his pension moment and gets to go out there and do something amazing. And it's like, oh, okay. So when you wake up the giant, well, he's not a giant, but like when you, so to speak, you wake up the sleeping giant, you get beat. But when he's sleeping, you beat him. And if you have that and it works, awesome. But yeah, he he beats Adam Cole and it doesn't matter. It does it feels like it didn't matter. Exactly. It, yeah. There's nothing from him to tell that it mattered. Yeah. Uh and like I'm hopeful that with the emergence of Danhausen, we're going to see some fresh stuff from the best friends. I think there's a lot of good comedy there. I'm praying it doesn't all end up on, on being the elite because it, it could, no. um, it, it could. This and- is exactly where I wanted to go with this though, because there's one particular thing yes. that I wish they would do with Danhausen. And that's every single time that he pops up from anywhere I or does anything or goes to curse somebody or whatever the case may be, I want the graphics team to put his name played up. Yes. So when they pull him out from under the ring, I want it to just pop up like he was making his entrance. And it just says, you know, put the nameplate housing right there. And you can even put like the little thing on the top about like, you know, very nice, very evil or like about to curse you or maybe wait till he does curse somebody and then put the nameplate up. No cursing. Something, you know, like just whatever the case may be, they're awesome at doing stuff like that. I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that would be really good. Um, I think they've kind of fallen back on only using page to do the like jokey, like nameplate stuff, which is kind of a shame because it really could be good. Uh, And I think, I think that Damhausen with the best friends is going to be very refreshing. I think that uh, uh, the reason I brought him up is I think Orange Cassidy is proving that he has a, a pretty low ceiling now um, because this is this is how you grow a character, right? Is you introduce them and they did and you let him do his gimmicky sh- like shtick and he did and, and people pop for him hard 
And then as time goes on, you keep like getting him out there and putting him in front of them and putting them with names people recognize. And you don't necessarily always have him win, but you have him get his stuff in. And eventually you, you have him build momentum and you build momentum and you build momentum. And he had the stuff with Jericho, which went over really well. You had the stuff with uh, with with the elite now, which is going over well. You had the stuff with the the Hardy family office, which was fine, but not his fault. You had a lot of these these things that worked for him, and so now he has momentum and he's going and he's got the thing with Adam Cole. And here you are, and I'm not saying you specifically, but like a lot of people are saying this, where it's like, all right, but I need a break from it because now he's just a wrestler. Now the things he does that make him unique and fun and interesting aren't really happening that often. And when they do happen, they don't really feel like they have a place anymore. And I think that puts the ceiling on Orange Cassidy, right? He won't be the TNT. Well, I mean, he could be down the line, but he won't in the immediate future be the TNT champion. He won't be a world champion contender. He won't be the guy you see at the end of the card more often than not. And that's okay. And that can still change. But now that we have that knowledge... Have him, have him team up with Danhausen. Put them together. Yeah, yeah. Because that's perfect. It's so good. It will refresh him. Let him stay on TV. There are plenty of tag teams you can work them with. Imagine just Danhausen and OC versus Private Party. Right? And perfect. you could have that team have 52 matches in a year and go 0-52. Yep. And... I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that because it's at least you can tell interesting stories with what they do in the ring. And then you can have them get backed up by their best friend group and who they'll rack up the wins. You know, somebody comes out and beats up Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy is like too lethargic to help. And then it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. Well now you've got the best friends or Rapunky vice comes in and says, actually like let's have a match next week and then they get the win and it's not 50 50 booking because it's not just we give you a win we give you a loss to the same person it's no no no. you you beat the comedy team now you face the legit team do you beat them too maybe maybe not and go from there and that could be pretty cool it's interesting i like that yeah also one more thing for the best friends did and it's a little unrelated but did chris statlander kind of turn heel (laughs) like because that one line in her promo was pretty savage. And and what line is that, Joe? It's just the whole thing of like, well, if you had an attitude like that, like I kind of understand why you know you, nobody wanted you as a kid. It's like, what? What did yeah, you baby face? That was that was that was wild. Uh so AEW likes to lean closer to the attitude error side of things, and I respect and appreciate that. And I think this is one of those times where that's exactly what happened, and I don't think we'll see it again. Because the alien who boops people on the nose and is part of a group whose superpower is controlling the camera through physical embrace and has a demon, maybe, and a sloth in a human suit are probably not... uh, And the guy who comes out in an eye patch but then wrestles fine is not the group to have someone being, being, you know, going out there and doing that. Yeah, I think that's my other issue with the best friends. Like, they're a feel-good group with some comedy characters. And then, but when they're serious, they're very good wrestlers. But then you have her, and she's kind of a comedy character who's also a serious wrestler. And now it feels like she's way too serious. Like, you know, like, coming for the throat type thing. Why do you not just, like, lean into something like, 
oh yeah, you know, you're saying you, you were like alone as a kid, like orphaned or had no parents or, you know, your parents gave you up something like that. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, my parents gave me up when they put me on the ship to send me here from another planet. So like, you know, I don't understand the difference. Like my parents are light years away. Like I had to do without parents. Like, hell, I didn't even know what parents were. I didn't even know what humans were like, just go that way with it, where it's like, yeah, all right, you're dismissing the heel for bringing up something that's inconsequential, but simultaneously putting a spin on it with your own character. Well, that's the problem I have with the way they've been handling Chris Statlander is, so with Luchasaurus, they respect the gimmick a lot, right? So he's a dinosaur. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Shut up, guys. He's a dinosaur, right? But with Statlander, it's like she's an alien. All right, we mentioned it once. Let's never fucking bring it up again. And it's like, why would you do that? It's such an, like a fun part of her character. And if you don't want her to be that, then you have to transition her away from that. But you can't just be like, yeah, she's an alien. Have her be fun all the time. And then be like, yeah, of course no one loved you. You're unlovable. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. And, and you didn't even like make her starfire from teen titans or something where she doesn't understand human emotions like that so she doesn't get what she's saying it's or and it wasn't even like the whole best friend group was there where they would react to it and be like oh whoa whoa that was harsh and she's like wait what did i say like i don't get it something like that would have been like oh okay yeah because she's an alien she's just a little different all right cool but this felt like two people in like uh an mma you know, pre-fight conference, something trying to throw barbs at each other. Your, your parents never loved you, and it's like, well, I never had them, so it didn't matter. It's like, who cares? Like, that's not why I'm watching AEW. Yeah, it was it was very weird. Also, can we please put Layla Hirsch in Team Taz now? Uh, I'm good with it. I'm totally good with it. I, I will say this every week until it manifests. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have too many things to say. This show is gonna be like three hours long. Just you're gonna be like, free Ali, put Layla Hirsch on Team Taz. Hashtag send hook. Yeah, hashtag just, Cody is starting to do things wrong. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we're just we're just gonna be a whole a whole episode every week of, of just the like hashtags. Yeah, I'll write them down. We can check them off one at a time when they happen and just delete them. Yeah, we It'd do the last one and then we're like, all right, thanks for tuning into Squared Circle this week. Uh, take care. Got it. <laughs> all right. So speaking of circles, we also Ooh. had the inner circle that, hey. that summit that happened, and they break up almost exactly the way you laid it out last week oh yeah you know if anyone ever wants to give me a job booking clearly i know what i'm talking about but whatever well i mean it's like just copy paste almost what you said about chris jericho into what came out of santana's mouth and personally i said this to you before we came on like i enjoy the fact that they made sammy the guy who says all right, look, and and it works because there's five of them, but like, all right, guys, I'm the super baby face. Everybody likes me. I I get it. This group has really helped me. That's cool. I like all of you. None of you really have a problem with me. I view you all as family. I would love it if we would sort this all out and get together, but I can't be the one to sort it all out and get it together. So I take the vest off right now, put it down and tell you guys figure it out, then call me. Right? Like you guys all get back on the same page. Cool. Bet. I'm here for you. No problem. But I have this TNT championship. I'm trying to be the best TNT champion I can be. Okay, go. 
Yeah, it's it's really great seeing him. It, yeah, pretty much just be like, listen, I can't have this negativity pulling me down. I got shit I got to do. I'm a champion now. Let me know how it works out. Y'all have my number. Peace. Love y'all. And just leave. Now, I will say I will take half a uh, second and then we'll come back to this to say I hate that he's still wearing both fucking titles. He doesn't have two belts. He didn't win two titles. He he was an interim champion. He is wearing a pretend belt and a real belt, and I fucking hate it. Proceed. So it seems like we're getting next week, right? The the tag match, which is the, the first match Hager is having in a long time, right? And, and hopefully the last. Yeah, they it they're they have to be aware that this is a guy that people don't really pay to see. They're not looking for him to go out there and have matches. He doesn't seem like the most likable guy for a lot of groups of people. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, he's, he's the muscle. He's just the muscle for Jericho. It's, yeah. He's, he's, he's there because Chris likes him as a human being. And unfortunately, they probably share a number of the same disgusting fucking views. And, you know, I'm not going to get sucked into that. That's why he still has a job. But the hope is that Santana and Ortiz just go over, right? Like, it's the the hope is this is something for them to bounce off of and hit. I, I don't know if this is going to be a tag title run. I think we're going to talk about another group that we would like to see, you know, maybe get in the tag title picture soon. But is that where they're going? You would hope so, right? Because there's no trio title. There's no place else to really go. It, this is... It's weird because so much of what they said rings true that the only heel portion of this is the inner circle is a, a baby face group. So you're breaking up the group that makes you the heel. Yep. That's yep. <laughs> Accurate. Right? Like people like Chris Jericho, they like singing a song. They like, you know, chanting along when he tells them to chant things. And now it's like, okay, so much Jericho makes a hard heel turn they're the heels okay yeah. i mean that's fine they work well as heels not a problem but i want to see more from them i want to see them do good things i don't want to see them turn heel yet because i think if they turn heel eddie kingston's not far behind and i don't want that yeah well kingston's that weird like you know he he threads the needle with everything right he's just so real that it, you know, because he was kind of the heel facing Punk, but that was just like two massive egos being thrown at each other. You will never convince me he was the heel in that story. And like, no, we, that, that's fine. We talked that's about fine. that. He exactly. kind of, yeah, like he kind of was because of the way the fans like see. But even that's not true because he's he's such a like loved character in the company. So so I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I think that's one of those things where I don't know that I can agree with that statement. It's complicated. That's fair, but he has he doesn't uh, fit like a, a clean babyface mold. Oh no no no! You know, but, so even afterward, when you had the whole thing with um, 2.0 and that type of stuff, like he was the one who started like picking at the inner circle, being like, "Yeah, but like I was you you my boys. Like, why are you running around with Chris Jericho? Like, screw Chris Jericho. Like, you know." whatever so he's the one who kind of like planted some of the seeds there for that and oh yeah that is a little bit of a heel thing that people can interpret as a heel thing of why are you doing this if you're a baby face like their baby faces you can just stand next to them there's no problems and 
that you know these characters aren't that clean cut that's fine that's good we like that yeah i was gonna say that goes back to again uh, something we reference often which is that series we did about presentation and wrestling and how AEW has kind of opened up the floor. It's gotten a little narrower in the last couple months, but has kind of opened up that floor for characters to be more complex than just being like white meat baby face or like, like sharp heel where you can have guys like Eddie Kingston, who I think are only able to really skirt the line on one side, right? Like he can be a face and he can be cheered and he can be over and he can be someone they love and do things that are maybe questionable. But if he goes heel, he's heel. And he'll commit to it and he'll like full on full throttle just go. And I, I I wonder if maybe that's where we go from here. It's a good way to write off Jericho, right? You get him a lot of heat by like you have you swerve the crowd, right? You have the crowd being in this place where people vocally want to see more Santana and Ortiz. And people are kind of receptive to the idea of them, you know, doing their own thing. And Jericho is very easy to turn on sometimes. Um, and has positioned himself kind of to be in this place where he is now, right? Like, there's been a lot of buildup to it subtly over time of, well, yeah, the inner circle does kind of just exist to insulate him. And even when they're, like, having fun and being friends, 90% of the time, if there's a problem with the inner circle, it's because someone fucked with Jericho, not with the rest of them. Um, and then the rest of them get pulled into it. Like, like everything that they said and everything I said. So... It's it's a new position where people can like really turn on on Jericho here, but if you set that up and then you're like, okay, but instead we do this, oh man, people will eat it up. People will go nuts on it. And like Eddie Kingston's a great heel. I just personally want the crowd to keep cheering. <laughs> I think he gets cheered even as a, a straight heel. I don't think that matters. I have three things for this because it's amazing, right? So first thing, the cyclical nature of wrestling, right? where the inner circle was the group that I was talking about before of I've lost interest in them. They've run their course. I want to see something new because I don't know what these characters are doing right now. Now the best friends have stepped into that role as the inner circle has fallen out of it. I just find that funny. The second one is for, isn't it great that you have a guy named Eddie that is able to like be a, a baby face and do heel things, but still get cheered and i just think that's awesome um but the third thing is you know going from here there's two places that i think we have the easy tie to and one of them is the tag team way and the other one is more on the you know a baby face maybe doing a couple of heel things and i i don't know which way you want to go with that first dealer's choice okay so you know one is the main event so i'll leave that to last but uh, so we'll jump, jump to the tag team, right? You have now Santana Ortiz, probably a heel tag team. They'll still get cheered, but like they're probably a heel tag team. Maybe they get a run at the tag champs, babyface tag champs. That makes sense, right? What are the men of the year doing? Because we talked about this before when we were looking up stuff for the face of the revolution ladder match. And that's a match type that Ethan Page made his debut. Some time ago, Hell Scorpio Sky won one of those matches. Some time ago. I think it was the same one. It possibly. Yeah, man, they all blurred together for me. That's so what was the last two years, man. Yeah, but, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, like Ethan Page is a guy that I didn't know a lot about. You know, I never followed Impact like that. I understand. Okay, cool. He's clearly talented. Clearly. He's got 
ton of charisma. Uh, you know, Scorpio Sky I like as well. They're paired with Lambert. They've had some good moments with, you know, feuding with Inner Circle and stuff. And they've had some damn good matches against guys like Sammy Guevara. I'm shocked at where they are now yeah. and how it's not these two guys trying to be tag champions. It's always been one of us takes a shot at Sammy, we lose, we complain, we the other one takes a shot at Sammy, they lose, now we feud with Cody. It feels like they've just been doing the same thing over and over again for over a year of feud with a guy in the mid card like Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara, go feud with Cody, come back, feud with somebody like the inner circle. Oh, look at Sammy Guevara again. Go now you're feuding with Cody or Cody's wife. It, it just let's, let's what is this? That. I don't I don't know. I mean, there's a uh, we've talked about how Tony does a lot of his booking in advance, right? And he tries to follow the New Japan concept. And that's fine. And so I always try and provide some like leeway for guys to get booked into stuff. But yeah, they've been they've been doing this for a long time. They're both very talented. They're very good, both in the ring and on the mic. And, like, I'm not screaming for either of these guys to be world champion or even, like, TNT champion. We've already seen that's not going to happen. But, yeah, they, they work so well as a tag team and they work so well together. And it's really kind of a waste the way that they're being positioned now. Um, you mentioned kind of offhandedly roster bloat. Uh, and I think maybe maybe we are seeing some of that. This was something we talked about, I think, in one of the early episodes of, you know, Tony is hiring and hiring and hiring and hiring. And some of those those hires, the numbers are a lot lower than people think they are. Only if, like, as long as you consider that a lot of these hires are guys who are just working dark, are guys who are just working on elevation. They're, it's their developmental people, right? Like, AQA just got signed. And people were like, why are you signing her? What's the point? And it's like, well, because you can put her there and work her way up. You have guys like Lee Moriarty, who are clearly investments in the, like, near future. He's got the match coming up with Brian that I'm so excited for. There's there's so many things on so many different levels, which is great. And we're doing the, like, rotating cast, which I think is phenomenal. People get to go home and spend time with their families. No one has to get burnt out. You work a couple months, and then you're gone, and then you'll come back. And we'll, we'll just keep doing that. And that's great. But you run into guys like Scorpio Sky. You run into guys like Ethan Page. And... I'm going to, I like both these guys. I have to preface it with this because I'm, I'm probably going to get pretty mean after this, but I, I love both these guys. Is there anything about them that makes you feel like they deserve to be in any of the spots that anyone else has been in? Maybe they could take up a match that the like best friends, young bucks that we don't do for the millionth time, but like, aren't there other teams you'd rather see more of than them? That's the other problem. So it's like, okay, we have to keep Cody relevant. How do we keep Cody relevant? Well, we can feed him someone else. We can not feed him, just have him feud with someone else. Uh, but then they're not on TV at all, right? Because where else do you put them? The tag division is stacked. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, the tag titles now are, are are in a new place with new champions who have to prove themselves. And that's going to be going for a while. And maybe they'll get a tag, tag team title match down the road. Because that's, you know, how you got to work up. And that's fine. But I I personally would love to see a rivalry with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Jurassic Express. And have, like, the Christian Cage-Dan Lambert thing again. 
but also how long does that go on for and then what do you do with them after uh, so many there are so many other threads that AEW has been setting up also that I'd rather see pulled on than have them just stuck somewhere so it, it becomes a thing where it's almost like I I like Ethan Page I like Scorpio Sky I don't know if I like them more than any of the guys on TV right now. I don't know if I like them more than any of the guys who are going to be on TV soon. I would never rather see them than Miro. I would never rather see them than Malachi Black. I would ne- there there's no people I can think of who I would be like I don't I don't want to see them. I don't I don't want to see them. I'd rather see Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, right? Like cuz if you go down a list of heel just heel tag teams in AEW right now you've got what ftr young bucks red dragon now you got some santana ortiz who else do we have like there's probably oh uh house of black just mentioned them they're a tag team I mean, you got I don't the know. ass boys uh you mean yeah i think <laughs> I, I think considering their name and their loss i will put them behind uh in line right now like but they, if, they bring up the ass of this particular but, line but if so. we don't see the ass boys more how are we supposed to get those sweet sweet Danhausen memes <sighs> i mean yeah well Danhausen's gotta do something right Asshausen. but so just real quick can we just like appreciate that Danhausen not only got himself signed to this company but also literally brought them like he brought them a new sponsor in A and W, and I am just so over the fucking moon with that. It's great. Whew. Everything I know about Danhausen is great. Just everything. But but anyway, back to what you were saying. No, there's there's so many heel tag teams. Like there, you could have Jurassic Express feud with people for months and months. Maybe the next year with just heel tag teams lined up to face them. That- Butcher and Blade, AFO. Uh... Yeah, literally yeah. anyone that Andrade wants to pay to partner with him, except for Darby Allen. Yeah, exactly. Like you can just keep running these people out there. Like, uh, you know, the the Lucha Bros are always a team that can just turn heel if they need to. They they won't anytime soon because there's so many heel teams. But you can do that and just keep sending more people out there. So if you put, you know, the Men of the Year in that category, it's like. Uh, at least four, maybe five of those teams are ahead of them in line in terms of credibility and the matches that they're going to put out there, not speaking ill of their talents at all. But hell, the Young Bucks, who can compete with them in terms of experience working as a tag team, right? So you do that. And personally, I've been an advocate for the tag titles should be swapping hands more frequently. In my opinion, I I think you should have much more of a a quick turnaround with these teams because I think more of these teams should be touching the tag titles. I I personally think that. And I don't say that to like devalue it. I say it because I think you can tell that story of the upper echelon of teams in AEW are all on that level. So I come from a place just in like wrestling where I'm I'm not a big fan of the like trading titles back and forth most of the time. 
so how do you how do you establish enough teams to feel that way where you can just be like, yeah, this title can change hands at any point with any of these teams and not have it kind of start feeling like a problem. That's it's fair. It's it's difficult, right? Like it's really difficult, but I, I think you're also running the risk of doing the opposite where you're having now all of these teams with all these guys on them, where unless you're having them swap being baby faces and heels frequently because of all the stables clashing and all of this stuff, there's only so many spots available that it feels like you have these super talented individuals who are doing nothing because there, there's just not enough room for them. There, there's no place to go. And they, AW doesn't do big multi-team feuds. They don't, they typically skew away from multi-man matches, multi-person matches in any context uh, I think we've only had, what, one triple threat match for the world title, right, with Orange Cassidy and Pac uh, versus Kenny Omega. It's the only one I can think of. If there's been another one, it's there's only two of them. So they don't do it for the tag titles. They haven't really done it for the TNT title. They, they just don't do these types of things. So it's not like they're presenting a situation of, well, we're just going to have a, a fatal four-way elimination-style four teams are in there at the same time to get showcased. And I don't want to say they should start doing that because then you just have these super bloated matches where somebody's in there for five minutes, they get eliminated. It didn't matter. Don't become WWE doing that. It's not get everybody on the card, but on occasion, if you need to highlight somebody else just to show that they're there and they're on that level of, getting a shot do it not often but enough you know what else would help with that a lot trios titles well yeah that that's an easy one trios titles yeah. because now you can now you can elevate yeah. other teams and i feel like trios titles are easier to trade back and forth because in those like six person matches you have a lot more that can happen uh, sometimes, and I feel like that's a much safer way to like talk, share titles around without it getting too heavily devalued, um, as opposed to like a tag team title. But but just, you know that's a bias from my particular point of view, and I I understand that. But their entire roster is set up to support it, so why not do it? It makes very little sense to me. Yep, agreed. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. No, like like on that point again, just one more thing, like because yeah. you will have those instances where you have a tag team who are the tag team champions, but they also might be the trios champions too, or maybe they're trying to be the trios champions also, and maybe you have a situation of we just worked a match for one title, maybe we lost it or won it, but now we might not win the other one because we're tired because we just had that match, mm-hmm. so. You can have situations like that. It gives you options, and I think options are really good for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's just one of those things that I think has been very clearly missing for a long time in that company, and eventually they're going to have to do it. They just do. They're between the bloated roster, between the potential for roster bloat, that they're kind of starting to see now 
with more names definitely coming in because like there are just more people who should be working there. Uh, you're going to see some of these other guys edged out. Scorpio Sky was a big deal when they signed him because of the people they had signed adjacent to him. But now, like I said, who who would you take off TV to see Scorpio Sky, right? Um, so it becomes a problem. And you don't super want these guys to be relegated to, like, Dark because they're better than that. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame because it's it's interesting. It's cool to watch. But it's not good enough to be better than the alternatives. And I think we see we, we are starting to see some of that in a number of places in AEW. And oh, a lot of them are getting funneled through to Cody. So that's nice, at least. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think that the same way that... So I, I mentioned this to you before we came on. So recently I went back uh, because of something on Reddit. I forget what it was. And I watched the the whole like scene of Moxley showing up, and him and Kenny Omega fighting, and then him putting Omega through the table, the the glass table. And I realized how much the company has changed from a production standpoint, um, just from how they present things and the camera work and the the rules that they follow. Right. Um, one of the rules I brought up was the invisible wall rule that exists in wrestling. Right. There are places you can't go, and there are things you can't interact with, and there are things you can't do. And AEW, it, like, in its inception was very quick to be like, yeah, fuck that rule. That's what we're literally all about, right? The fan interaction and the dip and dots thing, which was great. And, and all of the, the, like, fighting throughout the crowd instead of just in those, like, super safe tunnel zones or whatever uh, that they've done. And now we've moved away from a lot of that, right? Production has changed. So in sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, we we don't have and we weren't doing the podcast back then, but like we we don't have that conversation we used to have every week where it's like Jesus fucking Christ, these cameras need to get their shit together because they keep missing things. Right, guy goes to the top rope and you're cutting down to the huddled mass on the floor before he's even jumped, so he missed the move and only see the result. It blows the spot. Same with dives where you'll cut to other people before the dive goes through. Or moves where you were cutting to like tag team guys on the outside. It's like okay, but but that's bad. That's terrible. And they fixed a lot of that. But they've also cut down on stuff like backstage segments, and they've they've cut down on some of the things that provide more of an insight into the characters, and have presented themselves more like a wrestling company where their characters are wrestlers doing wrestling things. And in a way, they've kind of used that to lean into the kayfabe of what the company was when they presented it, which I get, and that's okay. But in another way, it really, it really sucks because you you run into this problem, right? Where you're like, okay, well, now they're wrestlers again. And, like, you still get some great moments. Like, you still get the John Moxley thing, which is huge. And you still get st stuff with, like, Eddie Kingston, even just the, like, he's sitting backstage eating and 2.0 shows up and he's like, I just want to fucking eat, man. And it's great. But at the same time, you you lose a lot of those moments elsewhere. And a lot more of the, like, no disqualification, false count anywhere stuff feels canned because we're back to the invisible walls. and Yeah, they like tightened that. up. they tightened up the production, right? Which is good, you know. They needed to in, in several ways, especially from the early shows, where, like you said, they 
either inexperienced or just, you know, not the best man on the job, whatever the case may be, like they were whiffing on some things that they shouldn't be whiffing on or needed to fix and they fixed it. Okay, cool. But I, I think this perfectly segues into where I wanted to go with things because like the, for the main event, you have a big, you know, Texas death match, right. Which is a uh, full of spots, got a whole bunch of stuff going on, but even with the beginning, which is the part that I do want to bring up for some a particular reason, it is very much a, okay, this is staged. This is scripted. You, what's going on? Oh, there's a camera right there waiting. Okay, cool. And before it did kind of feel like, all right, maybe a camera is going to miss the spot because these are people out there. They're figuring things out on the fly. They don't know what's going to happen. Oh, there's dipping dots right there. Screw it. Let's go. Let's do this right now because it's there. And I feel like doing something. John Moxley came up with that on the spot to do this. And that's what it felt like. So the camera guy had to be like, well, I'm supposed to follow him. It's my job. All right, cool. I guess I'm capturing this now. Whereas now it feels like, all right, somebody's coming out to the ring, but they're going to get jumped backstage. So I have to be standing backstage to see that. Otherwise, you know, I'm not doing my job properly. And it's like, well, how'd you know that was going to happen? Oh, because it's scripted. Okay, awesome. Which leads me to my point of this felt backwards, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. I don't understand how I love Paige and I love that he's like a fighting champion in every way. Yeah. Why is he the one beating up Lance Archer before this match backstage? Yeah, come on. Like, what? That made no sense. No, it didn't. That made no sense to me. This was my point coming off of the whole, like, baby face who does kind of a heelish thing but still gets cheered for it. But, yeah, it it felt very backwards. I very much enjoyed this match going forward, though. You know, the beginning was odd to me, but we've talked about this before. I'm generally somebody that, like, Eh, the big over-the-top hardcore stuff, okay, whatever, fine. I don't need it in my wrestling all the time. Man, am I a fan of Lance Archer doing Texas death matches, though. He shines, man. He shines. One of my favorite matches from uh, three years ago, Wrestle Kingdom, him and Moxley. Moxley? Yeah. That was one of my favorite matches that whole weekend. Oh, it was so good. Short, sweet, brutal. Yep. loved it he hits all the spots in just the perfect way he knows where to be he knows what's going to happen even if you like botch something a little bit it's it doesn't matter because it looks like i don't care i'm throwing you around i'm being brutal i'm gonna hurt you and he's very good at that this he brought it uh of course page brought it Paige is at the peak of his career right now like he can do no wrong right but this is archer's environment i said the last couple of weeks i didn't feel like he was quite there yet he needed to like show me a little bit more like the fire was was burning bright yeah it was he showed it yep yep uh i'll skip to one particular thing the the piece with him and jake makes me feel like maybe they're not going to be long for this world together and i don't know if that's because they need to write jake off to you know for health reasons maybe he needs to go do something else i hope it's not because they want to just keep him and lambert together i hope that it's one of those things that happened in the moment worked out the way it worked out and that's kind of going to be it i worry it's not 
if it's avoidable because of like health things, let's avoid it. If it's not avoidable, okay. If Jake has to go, he has to go, and I completely respect that. You better start looking for someone else because Dan Lambert will ruin Lance Archer's trajectory. Hundred percent. If only there were someone else, like William Regal. No, yeah. Will, oh, huh. William Regal would be great. William Regal would be yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan of like if you need to send Jake home, send Jake home, but have him like do a bunch of like audio clips or video clips or something and have him come in like the voice of God that just like summons this monster that comes to kill people. You have, you have someone like Regal be Lance Archer's face in his voice when they're in the ring. And then you do vignettes and that way you can have Jake take as many like breaks and reshoots as you need to just get the voiceover. And you just have Jake be the voiceover for him. And it'd be great. Just like, clips of him like when we first started with Lance Archer where he was murdering carny folk and threw that one guy through his ceiling and the whole time Jake is like narrating right and it's great it's so good I loved all of those they worked very well do that yeah I don't know why you wouldn't because Jake is so good at the psychological aspects of wrestling I felt like like it took me out of it a little like this felt like a miss with him on the outside of the ring a little bit of like he's gonna go hit the ddt and archer stops him because it's like all right well i'm gonna win this match it's not a pride thing it's not i'm gonna win this match on my own i don't need you like he's out there killing the guy like yeah, come on. yeah drill his head into the floor let's go yeah but it was weird it, it felt almost like you're stepping on my spot i don't want you to and that is not Lance Archer's character. No. That is not Jake Roberts' character. That is not what that's supposed to be in this match. It felt like he got caught up in the moment and was like, I'm going to tease the fans. But Archer was like, wait, your health, you're not supposed to do that. You can't take a bump on your back like that. So mm-hmm. don't, so I'll be a heel and stop you. Like, but come on, it, it felt off. It felt yeah. really off in an otherwise good match. Besides the beginning, where again I felt like it was backwards, mm-hmm. it felt a little off to me, and I wonder why that got to that point. Yeah, I don't know. I will say that uh, they made some really smart decisions in that match, taking away the uh, the God the damn, no buckshot. I can't do it today. Yeah, taking That's away okay. the yeah taking away the buckshot was brilliant. What a great thing! The moment that Lambert like gets up there and is working the turnbuckle, I'm like, oh shit. That's brilliant. That's absolutely fucking genius. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Great. Great way to protect protect everyone involved. Um oh man, everything about that was so good. Yeah. Yikes, that bump on the steps. Like, yeah. Oh my god. And, and the the table spot at the end where they miss one table, but like <laughs> that's why there were two. Yep. Uh Hangman finally learned how to bleed. I don't know if he went deeper or what he did, but he went from like, we talked about this, where he like will bleed for like 10 seconds and then be done. That yeah, man. Yeah, like two face on this one. Yeah, holy moly. Whew. That was good. This was good. All, I, almost all of this match was great. Everyone looked really good. Lance Hardshire, like you said, came out looking like a million bucks. Uh, Hangman came out looking like a million bucks. Um, it was awesome. I enjoyed it. 
I, again, I've said it so many times, like about matches like this. Uh, I like them few and far between. Yes. But when they're very good and thought out like this, I, I like them a lot. I like the psychological thing of take the buckshot away. We came with a strategy. I love stuff like that. I love it. And Paige gets his win, right? He gets his win. He beats the monster. It's in the monster's environment. It's what he's supposed to do. And now we're teasing him and Adam Cole. Yep. And uh, that's going to be great, too. I am excited to see whatever they decide to do with Lance next, too. Uh, it's great. Oh, and, and for the hardcore thing, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't hate them. I don't, I don't think I'm as, uh, uh, negative on them as you are usually. Although, uh, I think we've gone over this before. I have a very clear line where it goes from being like, this is a good hardcore match to being complete fucking embarrassing shit show. Like, uh, uh, what's, what's the term? What's the term? Uh, corny likes to use. Uh, an outlaw mud show, right? I, I think that's what it is. And I have I have a very very fine line between the two. AEW so far has done a really good job of keeping it on the right side of that line, especially when it comes to Lance Archer. Oh yeah, well I think Archer knows what he's doing with these things. If he's not, you know, in part of the creative input process for it himself, whoever has been doing it for him Phenomenal. this entire time, both in New Japan and here. I, just keep them around because they know how to do matches like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, and hell, this is something that's good for him too because if he is the person who's able to do stuff like that, that's a job for him. I hire him anywhere, any any place in the world where you're doing matches of this type. I want that mind helping yeah. me book those matches because yeah. he understands stuff like that. Yeah, automatic signing. Yep. Completely. Him and somebody like William Regal. Who should be everywhere. Hashtag sign William Regal. Oh, we added that one to the list. Yeah. yeah. So is there any other AEW stuff you I don't think so. I think we've hit all of our points. Hashtag send hook. Hashtag free Ali. So then I'm gonna I'm gonna take us in a slightly different direction for a moment. Finally, we have an NWA champion we can be the deathmatch legend king of long island that <laughs> fucking cardona oh radio Ooh. yeah what a great what a great decision i didn't even know this match was happening oh man did you not yeah i i, no, I, I didn't whoo, i didn't think he was gonna win it like he's hot he's hot and like it's oh, the yeah. right decision but i'm like okay but there's no way they're going to do this. Ultimately, it's the right decision. And we've talked a bit about yeah, that yeah. privately where it's like, all right, so Trevor, much like with Adam Page, the money is in the win, right? Trevor Murdoch winning the title, especially ending the like nightmare reign of uh, Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis, thank you. I, I wanted to call him Magnus. Um, Nick Aldis. That, that's still, that was his character, right? That was him. I have the right British uh, Yes, yes. Okay, Magnus. cool. Yeah. So, ending the, like, nightmare terror reign of Magnus. Shit, I did it again. That time was not on purpose. Wolf, Nick, wolf. Nick Aldis was, like, a huge moment. And he, he, he has a really strong following, especially in the NWA community, right? In the, like, down south, deep south wrestling, Atlanta, Georgia, is like where he cuts his teeth and stuff. He's the he's the like Texas boy, and it's great. Uh, but you know, he's only gonna be able to hold it for so long before people start to be like, Okay, well, what what's what's next? What's next? 
Um, and Cardona is such a great, <laughs> he's such a great heat magnet now, man. Oh my goodness. I cannot, I'm so stoked on how much he just like picked up from the WWE on like how to just make people fucking hate you and how well he's implementing it. He's so good at it. Well, he's such a fan though, right? Like he's a yeah. nerd. He's a yeah. wrestling oh. nerd. Oh yeah. He, he knows this stuff. He knows how it works. He knows the guys that he watched as a kid who were experts, like Jake Roberts. He, he would have watched Jake Roberts and would have been like, that's how to be a heel, yep, you know, absolutely. and, and so many others, but like, that's one where he would, he would take, take so many things from that and he's doing it. He gets to do it now. I, the uh, phrase I used with you is you play the hot hand. Right. Mm-hmm. And this was exactly it. Like this guy has had the last six months or so has just been so good for him that you just run with it. Just run with it. I don't know how long this lasts. I don't know who beats him, but like, hell, I don't care. Like, just let it run its course. Go with it until you get another hot hand that people are like clamoring to see be the champion that you have, you know, that can stick around for however long. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's a really good change too, because you get away from a lot of the heels in like NWA fit that like classic old school heel mark. Which brings us back to whatever we were doing with Nick Aldis, because that was his thing, right? Is he was the classic, like, heel. But now you've got this guy who's just such a loud-mouthed, arrogant, cocky, like, shit-eating, grinned motherfucker. And it's going to be so good to pair against a lot of their their characters, their, like, faces, their heels. It doesn't really matter. And he's going to be like, the, okay, guys, you're on, like, YouTube, though. Calm down. <laughs> it's gonna be right? great. So good. Right? I, I was looking up because I was like, how old is Matt Cardona? And he's 36 years old. Yep. So he's also pretty young. I also looked up Nick Aldis, which shocking to me. Nick Aldis is younger than he is. Wait, what? Nick Aldis is 35. Oh my god. Right? And Nick Aldis is about to turn 36. Uh no, no, he'll turn 36 this year, November. Wow. Never looking on the wrong page. That's crazy uh, to me. Yeah, but crazy. I was going to say that he's, you know, they've had older guys be NWA champion where it feels a little bit like maybe there's a disconnect and pulling in a younger audience of why am I going to watch this guy who might be perceived as over the hill, their best days are behind them, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cardona feels like he's got a lot left in the tank. He's got many years left. He's doing his best work finally. I, Come on, let's go with this. This is yeah. great. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I will say that this is probably the the best chance that they've ever had of me watching, like NWA semi regularly again since like years ago, um, before before the like restructuring, right? Back when mm-hmm. like Ricky Starks and stuff was on there. Uh, oh yeah, but there's like. Uh, there's definitely a better chance of me not consistently. I just don't have enough time in my life now, but being like, Hey, I have a free 45 minutes an hour. All right, let's throw on NWA and see what's been going on this week. Like there's definitely more of a chance of that happening. Yeah. With Cardona as the champion. Of course. I think you'll get a gem every so often. Is there anything you want to talk about from WWE? I have such a post Royal Rumble, like malaise, WWE now, where it's the the show did nothing to get me excited. We talked about that, but 
now I'm just like, all right, it's Elimination Chamber. I don't care. Okay, then it's going to be WrestleMania. Oh, man, am I supposed to care? And it's sad. It's such a sad thing. So let's talk about their, their fucking them being a propaganda machine, right? Have you seen the tweets? The, the tweets where everyone says the same fucking thing? There's like 12 oh. of them. So WWE announced that they had put up the first ever banner with women's wrestlers in Saudi Arabia. And after that happened, there's like... (laughs) You can't find the banner, Drake. You lost it. Fucking hilarious. No, no, no. There's eight, eight to ten, and it may be more now, but at the time when I saw it yesterday, eight to ten different wrestlers had all tweeted pretty much the same thing and then the same string of like buzz terms about how progressive Saudi Arabia is and how it's making a difference. And it's so fucking gross. It's so fucking gross, Joe. Holy shit. And you know, know. I wasn't even, I wasn't even going to talk about it tonight, but they fucking did that. And I'm like, man, fuck them. That's crazy. Yeah. That's one of those, like, either we have access to your Twitter account, so we'll just do it ourselves, or, hey, copy-paste this. Do it now. I found it. I found it. Here we go. WWE continues to influence the world. How many of these are there? Let's see. Here we go. Okay. So we got one from Alicia Taylor. We've got one from Amari Miller. We've got one from Liv Morgan. Blair Baldwin, uh, who else? Dante Chen, uh, Zoe Stark. So it's not only is it Rohan Raja, it's not just people. Jessica Carr, who are like on their roster, it's the new people who they probably were like, you better fucking push this. Bianca Belair, oh, that's a big one. Uh, well, yeah, I imagine they got the main roster people to do it because it's the main roster people who are actually on the show. Yeah. But it's funny when it's the people who have nothing to do with this. Like, yeah. It's the people who are developmental. They're in NXT. They're just sitting down there being like, yeah. yeah. And then WWE is like, retweet this. You retweet it or you, you take this. Here's the script. Post it now. Yep. WWE continues to influence the world. It's the same line on all the tweets. Some of them put a little bit of extra stuff before or after it, but every single one has the exact WWE continues to influence the world. Yup. Okay. Man. Fuck them. I mean, they, Fuck they them. Do. Fuck their We're blood sitting money. here yelling free Ali. They get 10% of their annual. All right. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. It's going to get my blood racing. It's going to get my heart rate up. I can do it. Uh, that's a workout. Don't do that. Not it's too late. It. Not worth it. Not worth it. Um, Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah, we went to the same place. That's great. <laughs> I'm trying to think, of this. is there anything else to really go over? Uh, No, we have spoilers for next week on SmackDown, which is like, okay, whoop-de-doo. It's fine. We could talk about it next week if we care. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, It's not really big news. It's oh, fine. Oh, here. I got one more. I got one more for us then the night while we're talking about WWE. So, Vince doesn't believe in Super Bowl ads. He thinks they're a waste of money. Ask me what happened this year. Today. A couple hours ago. 
Peacock paid for Super Bowl ads for the WWE. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, it makes sense because it was on Peacock, right? Like uh, you could watch uh, the Super Bowl on Peacock because it was NBC. If so, you have to have. If I remember, if I understand correctly, you have to have Peacock Live, the like premium thing, to watch it live oh, okay. on Peacock. But if you have a cable uh, uh, thing, you can watch it on NBC.com. It's a weird distinction to make, but whatever. Yeah, it's this weird streaming service stuff. Welcome to 2022. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to cut like all the WWE stuff. There's just no point to it at all whatsoever. Maybe There's I'll not keep much to say, right? a little bit. Like, but yeah, I mean, that's the problem is business as usual. Nothing special. Did you know that they Kurt Angle was supposed to be back for the stuff they've been doing between uh, uh, Alpha Academy and the Bro KO. Wait, really? Yeah. To do but, what? Well, here's what happened. Probably to like facilitate these weird things they've been doing, these weird contests. But he mentioned that he had spoken to them and they were bringing him back. And they were like, why would you do that? And then they scrapped the plans. Oh my god. Uh-huh. This is the Chris Jericho Seamus thing for the Royal Rumble of everybody knows Kurt uh, wow you got me saying Kurt Angle everyone knows Chris Jericho is going to win the Royal Rumble because he's the only one who makes sense to win the Royal Rumble. So they were like oh man yeah Kurt uh, God, I'm just, I'm just going to keep saying Kurt Angle <laughs> Kurt Angle should have won the Royal Rumble but he didn't. But uh, yeah Chris Jericho will definitely win the Royal Rumble. Wait they all think he's going to win? Wait they're pretty sure they know he's going to win? Seamus. Fuck Seamus, Seamus. let's fucking do it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Tremus. Man. Oh. Man, that's a thing. Also, like, Shane McMahon is still, like, around, apparently. I don't know. Wait, is he? Yeah, there was, like, a story where it's, like, Shane McMahon still might come back to WWE. And I'm like, you know what? You I'm, know what? I'm done with this I fucking story, care. man. Yeah, yep. He'll If he comes back, he'll come back. He'll be on TV, whatever. Who gives a fuck? I have... Look, the Royal Rumble is usually the time of year where I can start getting back into WWE at least enough to follow the road to WrestleMania because, like, the Rumble's usually fun and there's some kind of hype coming out of it. This year, I couldn't give less of a fuck. If it wasn't for this podcast where we sometimes talk about them, I wouldn't even pretend to keep up at all. Um, Would I watch WrestleMania? Eh, Probably because it's a fun thing to do that my kids enjoy doing. Uh, But, like... I don't, I don't care at all. So, like, sure, whatever. Um, so, so next week, we're gonna have to talk about them because it's gonna be post uh, the shit show. Let's right? see if anything happens. Well, that's the thing, though, right? That's the thing. Either <laughs> one or more things happen. I'm keeping this part gonna, in the podcast, by the way. Where we're gonna sit down and say, "Oh my god, what are they doing?" This is stupid. I hate this. And we have to explain why we hate this, right? Okay, cool. Or nothing happens of note and we're still just bored and we don't care. There's, I can't think of a situation where they're going to exceed expectations by such a large margin that we're going to sit here and say, oh my God, they did it. They did it. It's wow. Not only was it a great show, but creatively speaking, I'm now so interested in where they're going forward. WrestleMania is going to be amazing. Wow. WWE. Thank you. 
okay, then let's play a game. You like games? You like games? Let's play a game. Let's play a game. You want to play a game? Let's play a game. Here's what we'll do. Is this like Saw? Are you about to like <laughs> chain no, me to a No, no, I'm not going to chain you up and force you to watch Blood Money Brawl in a cage. No. Um, here's what we're going to do. Let's say if they do that, if they do put on this show and it is compelling and amazing and it feels like they made decisions that are going to keep our interest and make us go, what is going to happen? Or have to come here and like, oh, just just pour out love and affection and excitement. Then we'll do that. Otherwise, why don't we take next week to do the best Elimination Chamber moments through history? That way, oh, one of two okay, things sure. will happen. Either we will come on here and have wasted our entire week doing research and have n- no chance to talk about it because we'll be busy praising the WWE for their booking decisions, or we'll have compelling uh, uh, content that we'll still be talking about Elimination Chamber without having to talk about how fucking awful the most recent one was. I thought you were going to say either it's going to be great or let's get drunk and talk about Star Wars. Oh, man. <laughs> I Look, eventually, maybe after like episode 50 or like 62, we hit like the year, we'll start branching out. We'll start having episodes. Like, hey, we broke 10. We got there. We're, we're oh my making God, yeah, we our did. way. Wow. Yeah. I've not paid any attention to the numbers. I just know we've done this for a while. I'm like, yeah, I listen to them. I listen to them all back because I care. I'm like, what did I say? How stupid did I sound? All right. But yeah, but once we make a year, we'll be able to sit down and be like, all right, every so often there'll be a, a, a situation where we don't have content that we wanted to talk about and there's nothing that we had planned. So fuck it. We're just going to freestyle this episode and we'll talk about Star Wars and we'll talk about Marvel and we can talk about card games. We can talk about D&D. I will shamelessly plug our other project because you are a part of it. That's uh, fair. I'll be there. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So we we can shamelessly plug that other project, which is great. But for now, this is just, you know, I, I think for now we, we keep to wrestling. But eventually, episode 53, episode 53. Is our Star Wars episode? It's never gonna happen. Hey, it's wait, never gonna happen. We're, we're gonna get... it. We're calling our shot now. Episode no, no, fifty-three. We're gonna get there, and then every single week we're gonna be like, "Well, that's the show we're gonna do it," and something amazing is gonna happen <laughs> every week. Where it's like we can't do it this week. We gotta talk about you know how Keith Lee just won the world title. Like we, we gotta talk about that. And that's true. That's that's almost a year from now. Yeah, you're right. Yep, you're right. Almost a year from now. I'm telling him Revolution next year. If if he's not on the card or. Something's happening, man. If he's not on the card, it's because he's injured or they, or, or they parted ways. It's the only way he's not on the card. Oh, and if they parted ways, then oh, something man. has gone wrong. I Yeah, I can't imagine. Something has gone wrong, yeah. Okay, so we have plans for next week, good or bad. Plans for our 53rd episode, maybe. And a lot of editing for me to do. So I guess that's going to wrap us up for the Squared Circle sit-down. Uh, closing thoughts, Joe? No, no, none. I'm I'm just thinking about Keith Lee. That's all I'm doing. Just thinking about Keith Lee, putting out uh, positive, limitless things into the world. Let's do it. Those are good. Those are good. I dig it. Um, yeah, I am excited for the most highly anticipated wrestling show of the next seven days. Clearly, Dynamite. Um, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week, either to discuss. 
the greatest elimination chamber of all time or to discuss the greatest elimination chambers of all time. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate the feedback and your time and you joining us. Uh, take it easy 